This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous with the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney Schindler, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each week, we have one goal in mind, to provide advice, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. As travel advisors, we are in this beautiful world of human connection and relationships. We foster and build relationships with our clients and with our supplier partners. And it would be hard to say that one of these relationships is more important than the other. Without one, the other can't thrive. Without supplier partners, it would be really difficult to service our client inquiries. And without clients, we don't have a need for supplier partners. There are many conversations that center around talking points with prospective clients, questions to ask new clients to get to know them better, and how to keep in touch from the end of one trip to the beginning of another, but seemingly few conversations about building relationships with our supplier partners. Let's start the conversation on how we can foster positive, mutually beneficial relationships with our supplier partners. I believe that if one of these relationships is stronger than the other, clients versus suppliers, then we are missing out on the potential our businesses could benefit from if we invested more time and energy into all of the relationships that lead to success as a travel advisor. Here with me today to dive into building relationships with our on-site supplier partners is Beth of Bastion World Travel. Beth, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So often we receive a new request from a client and we're suddenly on a deadline. And depending on how busy we are at that moment, we may feel stressed when we're trying to get everything done within a certain time frame. This, in my opinion, creates a constant feeling of playing catch up. Our clients are ahead of us. They're leading the way. We're sending emails. We're making phone calls and we're searching Google in a frenzy trying to gather intel on this new destination. So to get started, what are your thoughts on researching and learning about different on-site partners prior to actually needing them for a client proposal or an itinerary. Do you spend time proactively learning about supplier partners or do you wait until you receive a request that you actually need that on-site in a particular destination? It's a good question. I I think it's a combination. You know, obviously right now things are a little bit slower, so we can be more proactive. We are having emails in our inbox from suppliers and partners around the globe letting us know what their services are just from a starting point A, as well as current circumstances, borders opening, things like that. Um, And then we have a wealth of resources through Virtuoso, their travel academy, as well as our host agency. Yeah, I mean, but so I try to do as much as I can can when I have time. But sometimes there's a brand new destination that I've actually never been, you know, had an inquiry for. For example, in 2019, I had an inquiry for Armenia. So that was a first. (laughs) So so then it's a matter of getting with fellow travel advisors, finding out who they've used and using all of our network and resources to find out, okay, who should I be interviewing for the best local supplier for Armenia travel. So it's a combination. Yeah, that's even even if we try to be proactive and um, meet with partners potentially at trade shows or you know just kind of listen to other conversations going on with other travel advisors, whether it's in person or on a Facebook forum, for example, uh, Armenia is definitely an interesting one, and it might be really hard to be proactive on that one if you didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking for a supplier partner in a new to you destination, whether you're being proactive and trying to get gather intel prior to receiving an inquiry or if you've just received a new inquiry, there are so many on-sites and DMCs to choose from. So we might know of some options from our consortium. We might know of some options from our colleagues, or maybe we met a potential partner for that destination at an industry event. When you're deciding who to reach out to and eventually who to work with, where do you begin? What are you looking for when you're comparing different options? What specific questions might you ask in order to decide if it's a good fit? So I think the first place that I usually begin would be cross-referencing our our consortium uh, on-site partners, as well as our host agency recommendations, um, social media, you know, fa- our Facebook page, kind of reaching out and getting that conversation going. I also have travel advisors that aren't part of our host agency that have been in the industry for 35, 40 plus years and say, hey, who do you work with in Argentina? That's where I start. Mm -hmm. And then once you narrow down on maybe two to three potential suppliers or on-sites, then you're going to reach out to them. And responsiveness is really important, right? Because like you said earlier, sometimes you kind of feel like you're playing catch up. Mm -hmm. Okay, this client requested, I'm just going to say Argentina. Okay, let's get this ball rolling. So when things were super busy, I'm looking for response from that supplier within 24 to 48 hours. Um, You mean a proposal or a response? No, just a response like, hey, you know, we... 
thank you for your inquiry. Let's set up a discovery call so we can understand what your clients are looking for, et cetera. And then- 48 hours is generous, well, I venture to say. For, for it an is generous. No, really- it needs- Acknowledgement <laughs> of I received your email, 48 hours is a long time. Yeah, I guess I was kind of trying to be conservative, but you're right. In general, I want it 24 hours, yeah. Yeah, just to at least say, I received your inquiry, either here are some of my ideas or let's set up a call. Now, when we're talking about putting together that first proposal- Yes, it, it should. I, I usually give them three or four days, but I make sure that we're both on the same page of, hey, do you think we can have this by Friday, for example? Mm-hmm. And then they'll agree or say yes or no. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking there have been a few circumstances where it ended up being a great on-site partner and it was a last minute summer in Greece kind of thing. And they mm-hmm. were just swamped and maybe it took 36 hours or something. But you're right. 24 hours really should be the benchmark. And then if it is a new destination, a new on-site partner, I think you also ask like, what are the things you're looking for? Yeah. What questions do you ask? I mean, because there are so many amazing partners out there and we can receive advice from colleagues that we all respect and that we know that they run a really solid business. And we also might know that all, let's say three of those colleagues have a similar business and clientele to ours. And so, but maybe their advice is three different companies. So we Mm -hmm. still have to Mm -hmm. take that input and insight onto our own shoulders and say, okay, how are we actually going to decide who to move forward with? What are we looking for? And what questions? are we going to ask? Yeah. Well, and so one of the key questions and things to understand, I think, from an advisor is if that supplier, if their guides and services are employees or contracted out. And as an advisor, we want to understand if that onsite is a layer of middleman or if the services and company are locally based and singly sourced. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I mean, not only does the client benefit financially, which is super important Mm -hmm. because you're cutting out a middle layer, but also logistically, you know, this group of people is local on the ground. They know maybe iconic sites are over-touristed and they should be left alone or maybe there's certain... I mean, they know all of those ins and outs which help us deliver the best itinerary and trip to our clients. The other thing that I think is important that I didn't really realize was so important until COVID started to hit is how those on-sites handle their off-hours help desk. So this was something that I found out the hard way. Sometimes it's a service contracted or sometimes in some cases it's actually hopefully is a is a supplier employee right so the client's calling they're reaching someone from that company or I'm calling and I'll give you a, a perfect example of this I've always loved working with mountain voyages for Morocco as you know in mid March when COVID really started hitting, closing down borders very quickly. I had two clients that were in Morocco and we were notified that the borders were closing down indefinitely in 48 hours. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, I had cell numbers for the Mountain Voyages team and we worked literally around the clock for those two days. I mean, Mount, I had their cell numbers. We were FaceTiming, you know, 3 a.m. my time, 3 a.m. their time. And everyone just worked in sync with each other and they because they were locally based, like in Marrakesh, I mean, it was just amazing how we were able to help those clients safely get back to the U.S. And without that type of single source onsite, that would that could have been a total nightmare, you know? Yes. And I've actually been in that nightmare situation before where it was in the middle of the night and we actually had a situation where a flight was delayed so drastically, it affected about 24 hours of their entire trip from one island to another island and where they were going, they were also supposed to board a cruise ship. And so we, we literally raced to board that cruise ship and had to call the ship and say, please don't leave. They're coming. They're on their way. And when I called the emergency line, it wasn't the company that I had planned the trip with who answered the phone. Mm -hmm. And that was really eye-opening for me as well. I've had another situation in which this was in Bhutan. So it was like a very, very remote destination. And they were like way over in Eastern Bhutan. Oh my gosh. They were supposed to fly back. Basically you drive from West to East in Bhutan, generally across the five valleys. The drive would have been like 12 to 14 hours. Really awful mountain winding, not a nice highway, like really crazy driving. The flights were canceled for days. Oh no. The only option for them to get back was a helicopter, which is going to be really expensive as a random expenditure while you're already there. 
or driving that 12 to 14 hours on this really crazy road. Mm -hmm. And the emergency emails that I was getting was again, not from the company that I booked with. Oh. And th this was all happening in the first couple of years of my business. And this, this was really eye-opening to me. I wasn't really happy because I wanted to talk with the people that I've been planning the entire trip with. And so I agree with you. This has become a very, very important question that I'm asking as well when I'm meeting new suppliers is who is running the operations on the ground? Where are your offices located? Are you who is answering the phone when I call that emergency line? Yeah. When you're asking these questions and meeting new on-sites and when you're meeting a company who is running the operations on the ground as you're looking for, do you generally find that these are companies who really specialize in their own destination and they're not running operations all over an entire region? Or what has been your experience when you're looking for these types of on-sites? So I think that's more and more true today, right? Year five, as you and I've talked about, there's a lot of learning that goes on when you're first coming into this industry and business. And so in the beginning, I may have been working with on-sites that were global. And I thought, oh, well, this is great because I can just get relationships with one particular supplier and they can help me in Portugal or they can help me in Spain. And as I've been in this business, you start to realize again, that having that specific destination focused on site is beneficial for the client and for us. It's it's a win-win because yes. they are based on the ground. I mean, sometimes, I mean, for example, when we're planning Africa, it's also helpful that they have a US-based person. So time zones, you know, it's easier for mm -hmm. us to get them on the phone and things like that. And I, I would also like to say, we're not against this global idea of on-sites because you and I have also worked with global companies, but they have local offices in each of the companies that they represent. Right. And so I think that's the differentiating factor exactly. is that we might contact the global company to get started. But once we're actually designing the itinerary, we're talking with the local office in that country of that global company. <laughs> exactly. Well, and also, I mean, I brought up Africa. I mean, I there are certain circumstances where it might make sense to work for with a on-site like Triumph Travel, who's been operating in Africa for decades and they have these partnerships with you know their their sustainable partnerships with locals on the ground and and they are able to handle itineraries that are going from East Africa to maybe Rwanda to South Africa so they can really provide a very seamless itinerary now in that situation they're not just working in South Africa but they allow for a wonderful seamless itinerary when the client needs to go through various countries within the continent of Africa. Yes. So absolutely, yeah. there are those circumstances where you may not, it may not make sense for the, to benefit the client to only work with that supplier and, and have to piecemeal it all together. Mm -hmm. This year, as we've had a lot of virtual conferences, there is a new question that I started to ask on sites when I was meeting them for the first time. And these are on sites that are representing a region. So maybe four or five, six countries, all kind of in the same geographical area. And I asked them which country represented the majority of their business. And one particular onsite told me, oh, 90% of our business is X, mm -hmm. but they represent six countries. Mm. And I found that fascinating to learn that I was like, okay, if I'm going to try a new onsite in a destination that I haven't planned before, I don't think I'm going to try with a new company in one of the five countries that's only 10% of your total business. If I'm going to try a new company, I think it's going to be in that in that country that represents 90% of your business, because that tells me where you've got everything really honed in because it's what you're doing day in and day out. Yeah. It's one of these other countries that only represents 10% of your business split across, across five countries. You might only be planning that country a handful of times in a year. That, and yeah. that doesn't represent the expertise that I'm really looking for in an onsite. Right. Right. No, that's an amazing, I, I never thought to ask that question. That's well done. Yeah. It's, it's good information to have. You know, I think the other component when we're working with a, a new onsite or a new destination is I'm sure all of us do a decent amount of destination research before we speak to those onsites, right? And you're answering my question before I ask you. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. We should be doing a lot of research before we reach out to the onsite. Tell me more. Well, yeah. So, right. So, you and I, so if it's 
a new destination that say we haven't personally visited. We do that research and then we have an, a certain idea of the must-sees or the iconic sites and experiences that are a good match for our client's trip. And when I go to that on-site, I want to have them to provide local insight. So if I say, okay, I'm looking at XYZ, I want them to say, okay, X, yes, definitely. But we need to go first thing in the morning before the big tours or why mm, it's over-touristed. It's really, it, this is another kind of off the beaten path that can offer even a more exclusive, authentic experience. I mean, it's it's their power of local insight that, mm-hmm. that, that I'm looking for. Something unique and something unexpected even beyond our research, right? Yes. I love that you bring this up because when I'm really looking for a new DMC to work with that I've never worked with before, I will often, before just diving into the itinerary saying, tell me what you've got. I try to keep everything over email or over the phone. And I say, here are the clients, here's their travel experience. As we discussed in a previous episode, here's their travel experience in this region of the world. Here's their general profile. Here's their likes and dislikes. I know that we're going to do this, this, and this because These are the top things to see in this destination. What other ideas do you have for these clients when you consider their profile? What hotels do you think that we should stay in? I've seen this hotel and this hotel. I think that they might love, but what are your thoughts? And what I'm really hoping to receive back are ideas and hotels and activities that I didn't know existed. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that that's what really gives me like the big bright stars in my eyes when that response comes back from an onsite. I'm like, yes, this is why we work with onsites. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. Yeah. I have received responses from onsites that I give the full profile. I've even to a very important detail such as these clients don't drink alcohol. And I know that a really common activity or experience in this destination is a sort of tasting, mm-hmm. right? And in the itinerary came back and they included the tasting. And yeah. I just thought, so yeah. you're not reading my emails. Or listening. And that's Right. And that's the attention to detail that we need with on-sites because they are our on-the-ground people who are going to make us look like rock stars. And so in those first emails or in that first phone call, if they're missing really key details like that, that's for me, it's it's not going to cut it. I, yeah. need, I need the attention to detail. That's what's really, really important for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And I think you and I and, and a lot of travel advisors, you know, they they can flag a proposal that's been copy and pasted. And oh like, and you said, like you said, you know, when it misses the mark, I mean, look, I'm all for that. It's definitely something that I love is a beautifully presented proposal that I can share with the client that is even better co-branded for Bastion World Travel. But if it looks like it's been copy and pasted or I can see an exact excursion like group activity that I just researched on Viator, no. <laughs> then yeah, yeah, we're really looking. I mean, that's why our clients come to us, right? Because they yes. want something unique and exciting and deeper than what they could find XYZ on Expedia. So one of the key reasons that I really wanted to start this conversation is because I didn't see it this way when I first started my business, but I have grown into this philosophy in the last five years. And I think it's really important. And that is that on-site partners are to us as we are to our clients, meaning that we go to them to learn about a particular destination. We go to them to understand what's possible in terms of tours and experiences, things to see and do, ideal itinerary options, general budget needs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all the same reasons that our clients come to us, right? Mm -hmm. They're asking us a lot of these similar questions. So if we're going to ask all these questions to an on-site partner, just as clients would likely ask us, there's one key difference that I think sometimes we forget. And I think it's really important to remember is that as advisors, we charge fees for this time and for this knowledge and for this expertise. And when we go to on-sites and supplier partners, they don't charge fees to spend the time with us, to walk us through all these options and to walk us through their destination. And so I think it's really key to consider this. And so you mentioned earlier that you do a lot of research before you reach out to an on-site. And I have started doing this as well. I have started to try to educate myself on that destination as much as possible, whether it's understanding the key places that most first-time visitors are going to visit in that country, understanding some of the key hotel properties that I like to consider, understanding the types of tours and experiences that are going to be options. And then I go to the supplier 
and say, here's what I've seen. Here's what I've learned. But I also say full disclosure, I haven't been to your destination, Mm -hmm. but I want to show them that I'm not just coming and saying, Hey, go do this for me. A hundred percent. I want to show them that I haven't been there. I want you to know that because I feel like a supplier will talk to advisors differently if they know if we've been there or if we have a lot of experience or we've never been there. I feel like that's a really important thing to let them know. But also I've done all this research. Here's what I'm thinking can you fine tune my thoughts and tell me what you think as opposed to just saying, Hey, here are my clients. I've never been there. Send me a proposal. I love that. I love that. I mean, I think that this idea is so important to think about like the roles, the roles that we play, the role, the responsibility of the onsite, the responsibility of the advisor, right? It is, it's a partnership, just like you and I have talked in past episodes, our client and the advisor are entering into a partnership as are we with our onsite partners. Yes. And I don't think that any of us can go into to this partnership with the suppliers blindly. It can't be blind trust. It can't be, okay, so maybe there's an advisor who's super successful and they're like, you have to work with supplier XYZ in Iceland. Okay, yes, we can look at that, but we definitely can't go into it blindly. We have to understand you know, what their reputation is. And after spending time researching the destination, just like what we alluded to earlier, what does that amazing partner in Iceland offer that I can't find on my own? And so it it is a it is a mutual partnership and it's important to not go in with a blind trust and also to do our our share of the work as well. Yeah. And I will also add to that that yes, this requires more time and energy on the advisor's part, but I've also found that it delivers a much better end result mm-hmm. because clients hire us to advocate for them. We hire suppliers to help us really fine tune those personalized details, but we have to advocate for ourselves as an advisor and we have to advocate for that client as well. And I have put my blind trust into a supplier before. And I said, and it was for a personal trip. So let's just say that this wasn't for a client. I said, I'm coming to this really crazy destination. Not a lot of clients come here. Not a a lot of clients request this destination. I would like to show, Hey, this should be something that you consider when you're looking for something new and different. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. They sent me back a beautiful proposal from their perspective. It was a beautiful proposal, but it wasn't 100% for me. Mm. And at the end of my vacation, and because this was truly my vacation, I kind of thought, "Mm, I should have advocated for myself a little bit more in a few of these details. Like they're a fantastic partner. I will still work with them Mm -hmm. for trips to that destination. I should have looked through the details a little bit more and kind of said, hey, this looks really cool. And I might do it for professional reasons to see if we should include it in future trips for clients. This isn't really for me. So can we like kind of do this, this, or this, or I should have done a little bit of my own research to say, Hey, you haven't included this destination. Can we kind of slide this in there? Or what are your thoughts? So I feel like it was a good trip and not a great trip. And I put all the blame on myself. I put blind trust and I shouldn't, you have to advocate for yourself and you have to advocate for your clients. And that's what research prior to reaching out to an onsite enables you to do. Yeah. Do you think in that particular circumstance, was it the reputation of that onsite that you were fully confident in and also that you just didn't have the time for your own, for yourself? Was it a time saver? Because I do think, you know, in pre-COVID, I mean, many of us were working 60 plus hours a week for client trips. And when it comes to our own stuff, it just, you just, it comes last sometimes, you know, you just don't have the time. Are you volunteering to be my travel advisor? (laughs) We all need our own travel advisor. Yeah, of course. I could I could say that it was time, but I also want to be really careful and not just use that as an excuse. Because if I don't have time for my own trips, yes, we all prioritize our client trips, but we have to make sure that we're not saying this for client trips as well. Well, I didn't really have time to look through all those details and to research all those little nuances. We can't we can't get into that trap because then we're not going to be going above and beyond for our clients, and that's what we really need to be doing. So yeah, I, I could say that, but I want to I want to be careful about making mm-hmm. that excuse. Mm-hmm. I will set up a call with you later to talk about the next <laughs> <trip>. <laughs> I, I think we're both kind of on the same page of this. So if we really consider the role of the supplier and the advisor when we're really coming together to work together for the first time, what role do you believe that the supplier has in educating advisors on their destination? And what role or responsibility do you believe advisors should take on their own to educate themselves with their own time, energy, and resources? Where do you think we can find this balance between advisors and on-site suppliers so that it really is mutually beneficial between both partners. Yeah, I would just 
reflect back to what you said earlier that, you know, do that research before you contact the supplier, cross-referencing, you know, um, travel webinars that are published via your host agency or consortium, as well as some of the tourism boards, like the Tourism of Thailand has amazing library of webinars for the destination research. So do that, you know, spend, spend some time, spend a couple hours, whatever you have time to do. And then when you come to that supplier, you have that conversation. So they, like you said, you disclose, I haven't been to this destination, but this is what I know. And then they will offer their local insight. You know, we're looking for logistic information. Okay. If you're going to Patagonia, this is the right flow. If you're doing the Greek islands, this is the right flow. And again, I'm going to loop back around to COVID times when there are going to be certain protocols in place that are changing daily. And we need to have that buy-in from both sides that we're both doing work to keep on top of those changes for our clients. But I think it's just the key thing is to have the advisor do that couple hours of research, cross-referencing those resources, as I mentioned, coming to that supplier, and then just being open to the conversation. And okay, show, I mean, I hate to say it, like, show me what you got, but it's it's a little bit like that, you know? Yeah, no. And, and I do, I do think that's a good way to kind of think about it. Because I also feel like I like to compare the relationship between clients and us and us and suppliers, because I think they're very similar relationships. And I don't know that they're always portrayed like that. So clients come to us and say, we're thinking about this destination. We want to go here, here, and here. Show us what you've got. You know that if that's a new client who's never worked at the travel advisor before, they've done some research Mm -hmm. and they want to see what tours, what hotels, what activities, what logistical details you know that they didn't find by themselves. Absolutely. So I think think it's fair that we're also looking for that from suppliers. So I would venture to say that if there is information on a destination that can be found via a webinar, a tourism website, or Googling, we should be doing that research on our own. Mm -hmm. When we go to the on-site supplier, we should say, here's what we found on our own. Here's what we think this client profile is going to love. What are your thoughts on this? And again, show us what you've got. Bring forth ideas, opportunities, experiences, and details that we didn't find in our own research. The client's already impressed with us. And then by the time the on-site gets their magic dust on that itinerary, then the client's blown away because they already couldn't Google what we found, let alone Google what the on-site partner found, right? I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to kind of sum all this up, when a supplier partner, when an on-site is able to do that, to really blow me away with those details that I wasn't able to find with my own resources, that's when I'm listening. That's when I, I have the trust to to put all the time and the energy and my client's trip in their hands. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but I think the other component to an on-site that we've never worked with, or well, a destination that we don't know and it's a new on-site or a destination that we do know is transparency with, with pricing. And this is, and I may be jumping ahead, um, but I just, yeah. I don't want to miss this because to me, this is so important. You know, there are some suppliers that their practices are to give you a detailed proposal for your client and the itinerary, and it's a single price and it's all inclusive and it, this is the price. And over the last couple of years, I have made it known to to our suppliers that I want those services broken down so that I can understand, okay, this private transfer costs this, or this wine tour costs this, and this. So that transparency is really important for me to trust that onsite and me to confidently propose this itinerary to my client, that there's no packing in, you know, extra profits here and there. And, you know, as a part B to that, if that supplier is willing to let us book hotels direct, many times the suppliers will have incredible relationships with luxury partner hotels. And so if they want to include it, that's great. But I want to see and make sure that the pricing per night is best published rate so that my clients are sure to be not getting gouged on that hotel and that it's it's really a Again, it's a transparency, it's a trust thing. So the pricing breakdown is also really important with any new onsite that I'm working with or existing onsite that I already love working with. So this is a, a really hot topic and I'm, I'm glad that you bring it up because I think it's really important. I've, I've always tried to put myself on both sides, on the client side of this situation of just receiving one big dollar sign versus the supplier side of what's actually going on behind in their business and why aren't they able to break it down. So, and I don't know that I land on either side. I kind of have 
one foot on either side. So when you're looking for an onsite partner, are you asking for a line by line breakdown or are you asking for, give me the chunks? What are we spending on private transfers? What are we spending on hotels? What are we spending on experiences? How much detail are you requiring? And if they're not able to do that, is that a deal breaker for you? It's it, So say you've got a week itinerary in Cape Town. And so, yeah, I'm looking at every day, you know, the private transfer from the airport upon arrival, that tour out to Table Mountain, the private transfer out to wine country, the yeah so i'm looking at those net rates and then communicating with them what the commission would be and then that gross rate would then be incorporated into the into the proposal to deliver to the client be client ready now in the past i'll be straight i mean you you already know this, but it was not a deal breaker. But now clients want to understand where their money's going now more than ever. And I, I think that is fair to ask. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that they need to give me their costs, but they need to break it down so that I understand what the net rates are for all of those services. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction is not necessarily providing a breakdown of their costs because those rates are contracted yeah. and they're very confidential. And I understand that. But there could be a breakdown of the gross rates that we are providing to clients. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love for a supplier to to reach out and explain why that might be a problem. But I have received this from a lot of suppliers. And so you know that it wasn't a deal breaker for me at the beginning either, partly because I didn't know better, partly because I was being told by a lot of the first onsites that I worked with that this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Now that I've been in the business long enough, I have quite a few onsite suppliers who are willing to do this for me. So now when some are willing to do it and some aren't, that actually raises more questions for me. And I don't know if there's a fear that if something is overpriced, they might take it out. But as a client, I want to know where my money's going. Mm -hmm. And it's not that something is too expensive or whatnot. It's more of, is this service important enough for me to make that investment? Mm -hmm. Things, they cost what they cost. Mm -hmm. And suppliers have to be competitive. So their, their prices can't be insane. I mean, they might be, but they can't be so out of bounds that people are just going to blindly accept that because they have to be competitive. So really it's more about, I'm thinking of a very specific example of their, you know, some really like a hot air balloon ride or a helicopter ride Mm -hmm. or, or these types of really special experiences. Everyone's going to say like, yeah, that, that sounds really great. Does it sound amazing enough for you to spend $500 per person? That's not a too expensive kind of barometer. That's more of how important is this to you? Is this how you would like to utilize your investment? Or would you rather take that $500 and upgrade your hotel? Yeah. Right. It's just a question of how you want to allocate your investment. So it's that type of conversation that actually having the breakdown helps me talk with clients. Very rarely do we take the money off the itinerary. We put it somewhere else in the itinerary. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'll hundred percent agree with you on, you know, when we're talking about services and then just getting back to the hotel component. I mean, there's definitely places in the world, places in the U.S. where there may be a really unique boutique hotel that's you don't find on Google. You don't find as one of our partner hotels. But the on-site or supplier has a great relationship with them. They know the service is where it needs to be. I understand why they would put that hotel into the proposal. That's amazing. That's why I want to work with you because you have that insider's knowledge. But at the same time, I want to know that that hotel price is best published price in that itinerary. You know, that if if you mm-hmm. were to book it on your own, I just... Look, single source is is always going to be the the best process, but I just want that I just want that transparency for my own perspective as well as for the to benefit the client. Well, and I, I also know that a lot of all advisors kind of work with their commissions differently. So another conversation that I always have with onsites is if you're going to include the hotels, great. For these two preferred partners, can you include amenities? Yes or no? Yes, yes, yes. Amenities are right. sometimes important for clients and other times they're not. So that's just it's just a question. And then I also use share with the onsite, this is the commission percentage I plan to add. Will we still be below at best published rate or below for all of these services if I add this commission percentage? And usually they'll come back and say, yes, but I've had some say, you know what? If you dropped it down one percentage point, it would be better. No problem. Mm -hmm. Thank you for letting me know. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's because if when onsites send us net rates, every advisor's adding a different percentage. So they don't know. So yeah. that's that's something that's just like communication between us that we need to kind of get it out there so that we're all on the same page. Yeah. So a bit of a different scenario is when we know a destination really, really well. 
Perhaps Mm -hmm. we've traveled there extensively. We've been there multiple times. Perhaps we even lived there prior to becoming a travel advisor. What changes when you're looking for a supplier partner? What are you looking for? What questions are you asking regarding how they work? What their services look like on the ground? Is there anything different that changes when when you know somewhere really well as opposed to when it's a brand new destination to you? Such a good question. And honestly, I don't believe that what I'm looking for in that onsite necessarily changes, but the questions I ask are going to be more detailed. They're going to be at a higher level because you do know that destination. I'm looking for specific ideas from them on the proposal or itinerary that are, you know, I have a deeper knowledge, so I'm going to be able to filter through yay, nay, yay, nay kind of thing. Um, So I think we're just looking at it with like binoculars, you know, or magnifying glass, I guess is a a better analogy. The same things are going to be there for what we're looking for, right? Unexpected, unique, experiences, um, current up-to-date knowledge, but it's just it's just through a closer lens. What about you? I mean, you, I know you've had this happen a couple of times, so maybe you can mm-hmm. add on that. When I first got started, I feel like so many of my stories were like, in my first two years, I was attempting to work with a global partner for a destination that I know that I could plan in my sleep. And it was a really, really big red flag, but also very eye-opening for me when I was asking to include something in the itinerary that they had never heard of. Oh yeah, that's wow. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it is very, very much off the beaten path, but it's not so far off the beaten path that a ground operator shouldn't know about it or have the resources to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So I kept looking. And when I did find a partner who not only knew everything that I was asking for, but they said, you know what, what you're asking for is really, really cool. Here's a different idea that's even better. Or considering your clients that are are a little bit older and this these rice terraces that you want to go see, there's a lot of stairs and it's, it is quite strenuous. Let's go to these rice terraces. It's just as good, not as busy, less stairs. Mm-hmm. They, they have my business for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, because I think that just as once when we've spent two or three hours watching all the webinars, doing all the research, asking all the questions, and then our suppliers impress us, when we know a destination really, really well and the on-site suppliers impress us, my goodness, you have my loyalty forever right? and ever. It's, yeah, that's the grand prize right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you find an on-site that you enjoy working with in a particular destination. Do you strive to work with that partner for every single client inquiry? Or are there scenarios in which for that particular client, whether it's their travel style, their expectations in terms of service, their budget, whatever the reason that you seek out a different partner in order to create a more suitable match? Okay. First of all, when you find that onsite in that destination that you love for being reliable and trustworthy, it's an amazing thing, right? You're just, you can feel the weight lifted off your shoulders Mm -hmm. because it can, you know, it benefits the client. It's a time saver for us. They're knowledgeable, they're trustworthy, they're reliable for that specific destination. However, some suppliers with those top grades do come at a higher price tag. So they're not always going to be the perfect fit for maybe some of our four, four and a half star travelers. But like, for example, the Greek onsite that's my go-to is Blue Cove. And they have a local staff on the ground in Athens. They're extremely knowledgeable about not only the main areas that maybe a person first time to Greece would want to go see, but all the off the beaten path islands and destinations within Greece. And they also have a local Blue Cove employee that's based in Miami. So that's really nice for time differences and things like that. But one of the things that I love about them is they're very detail oriented. They're incredibly responsive with their communications. I mean, even though it's a nine hour time difference from LA, I think these guys don't sleep. I mean, they they email me, they text me, you know, they're just very responsive that, you know, they they have my business forever as long as the, as the budget works for the client. That's what I was going to say. Are, would you consider them a more high end onsite partner. Yeah. So when you have a client who does not necessarily have that high-end budget, what's your approach? Do you try to still work with them? Are you upfront right away and saying, this is the budget that we're working with? What can we do? Or do you consider working with a different on-the-ground partner that might be a better match for that budget? What, what's your approach in this type of situation? So it, it really depends on the destination. So for example, in Greece with Blue Cove, one of the things I love about them is they will, they will itemize things and they'll provide just one full day's tour on a neighboring island. It doesn't have to be the whole A to Z. Or say it's a pre-cruise kind of thing in Athens. They'll just do a private transfer and maybe a half-day, you know, guided tour of the Acropolis. 
I don't have to do the whole A to Z buy-in for them to want to do business with me. Um, now that's just for them in Greece. So in general, I will try to work with them in one way or another. Now in other countries, yeah, there's there may be the onsite that you're working with for the higher end budgets. And then, oh my gosh, isn't it amazing when you have the four-star onsite that you like working with as well. So to yes. have both of those options already vetted for us with already vetted to work with the onsite for our clients, oh, it, that's a win-win. But sometimes it just takes takes research, right? Because you don't have you don't have the four-star onsite ready to go. I think you just made a really important distinction that I can also agree with. And you reminded me of another really good question that I always ask a new onsite is, are you accepting proposals in which is the full A to Z? Or can we also come to you for sort of one-off services? I agree with you. In Italy, that's exactly my partner. They are a higher end onsite. And so when I don't have the budget to really work with them from A to Z, I bring in the special experiences, right? Just and kind of sprinkle them throughout the itinerary, but then do the itinerary with other resources that will match that client's budget. That I feel like that works really well in destinations in Europe. Clients can be a little bit more independent if they want. Exactly. Exactly. In destinations that you really can't get away with being super independent, or maybe maybe you're traveling all over the place. And destinations that are coming to mind are Middle East and Africa, where you you kind of want a partner from start to finish. Exactly. Those those are the destinations that I have too. I have the super high end and then I have the more mid range and who, and I love them both. And really who I decide to work with, it depends on the client, their expectations and their ultimately their budget. And then I try to figure out which one of those partners is going to be the best match for them. Yeah. And some, you just reminded me in the middle, I mean, for example, in Israel, I have a partner that can do four to five star. So if you, as long as you're, you know, disclose the budget from the beginning that the the clients working with, yes. maybe it's too low. And I love that when a partner can say, you know what, Beth, I know you're looking for four star at this price for a week. It's not doable. It's not going to happen. And, and, they, and they're not saying that from like a, a a greedy place, like, oh, well, we can't do it. So no one can do it. Like that's where the trust comes in, right? If you've worked with them for a while and they can say, you know what, you really need to bump this up a thousand or, or what have you. I mean, that's that's also really beneficial. In thinking about some of your favorite on-site partners around the world, we've already talked about the itemization and the transparency with the pricing and with the cost of different services. Are there any other best practices that you particularly love that you don't see with all on-sites across the board? Yeah. So we talked about the breakdown. We talked about unique and unexpected um, experience suggestions, responsive communication. I think now also a fair deposit and flexible cancellation policy is is going to be critical going forward. And I think that advisors should know that we can ask those questions. We can try to negotiate if we feel like it's not a fair circumstance based on our current travel times. We talked about being locally based. Yeah, that's important. We talked about the beautiful presentation and being detailed. I think you and I, the success of our business lies a lot on the fact that we're detail oriented for our clients. We just don't want any I's not dotted or T's not crossed. And so yep. the detail-oriented onsite is also going to be higher on my list. And when they provide a proposal that not only looks pretty, but actually has a description of what does that full day's tour in Santorini look like? Not just full day tour. You know, I want to know what are we going to be doing that day? So those, yes. the details to me personally as an advisor are really important of why a onsite is, is a favorite of mine. Um, I'm going to throw in a couple extras too of them are just kind of make my job a little bit easier, but online payments, my oh, goodness. Oh, such a good point. Yes. <laughs> and not all on-sites have the ability to accept online payments. And I'm telling you, any on-site suppliers listening, if we could get that worked out... <laughs> That, that makes our lives so much easier. Such a good um, point. And also an opportunity to work with the same person at that company each time. When I do not have to send just a general email and say, hey, here's my inquiry, but when I know exactly who I'm working with in each country, and it almost feels like I'm reaching out to a friend, not only do I feel like our itineraries are more successful because not only do you need the client profile, all advisors have their own style as well. I remember one, my favorite partner in Italy, he responded one time and he was like, I know you like this. So I, I included it in the itinerary. Love it. This, had, this didn't have anything to do with the client. He knows my style right? and my attention to detail and the things that I'm looking 
support. And so I really think that that also offers such a great opportunity to build strong relationships with our supplier partners when we're able to establish a personal relationship with that person whenever we have a new trip inquiry to that destination. So spot on. Love those two. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Two other, and I'm thinking about the two same partners. They're just two on-site partners that I essentially like bow down to every time <laughs> I see them at industry events. One specifically has a, 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 let's call it a library of experiences that they can provide in each region of their destination. And so the very first time I had an inquiry for that region, they sent over and, and, and it wasn't just a concrete pick whichever tour you want. It was more of a, here's a conversation starter. Here are the types of experiences we're providing in this region. And this is just the base point. Tell me which one interests you and then we can customize it. We can do whatever might fit with your clients. And that is so helpful for me because one, it enables me to talk to clients about the possible experiences prior to ever reaching out to the supplier. So instead of reaching out to the supplier saying, hey, here's my client profile. Here's some activities that I think are great. What do you think? I'm actually able to say, I already looked through your library of experiences and talked to our clients about it. And they're really, really interested in these four options. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And it also makes me look like a rock star as an advisor because there are very customized experiences in that library that they provide for me that are not Googleable. And if I'm able to talk about those with clients upfront, I already look like a rock star on the first conversation, but it also just makes the communication back and forth so much more seamless. And finally, it if I've never been to that destination, if I've never worked with that partner, I don't know what I don't know. And so I can't ask for an experience that I don't know exists. Right. And I have asked for this sort of communication from other on-site partners. And they always kind of give me the response of like, well, everything is customized. So we can't provide that for you. And I want to call nonsense on that Mm -hmm. because you know what's possible and what's not possible. You know what types of experiences you provide in each region of your destination. If you can't even give me a starting point, then I already feel like we're like tripping over ourselves trying to get started on the itinerary. So that has become a sort of a deal breaker for me if they're not even able to provide like some ideas for me to like get started. Right. And that's where, you know, look, I mean, some of the suppliers are smaller, their websites are a little more general broad strokes, but some of the on-sites that we work with, I love that they have samples. And yes. and some of the on-sites, you know, they aren't accessible to the public or the consumer. So we have logins and then we do that research to get started. And absolutely for me, the that like library that you talked about of experience, if they have a website that kind of dials in some samples, like you yes. said, when you have that discovery call with the client and you can start painting this picture of different experiences based on what your research, you know, has has brought up. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, it just it just helps all around. Yes. So I have one partner who actually sends it like via a PDF. I have another partner, like you mentioned, who gives me a login so that client it's not client facing. It's just for us. And then another partner has an overabundance of sample itineraries on their website. And so what I'm usually doing is looking through all of them and then emailing them and saying, I'm thinking about some weird combination of like these three itineraries for these clients. Like, what are your thoughts? And so again, it like gives us a starting point. Yep. What advice might you give to a new advisor about building relationship with onsite partners in thinking that we really want to strive to build relationships with our partners that are just as strong, if not stronger, as we do with our clients? You know, to me, communication is going to be at the top of that list. Don't be afraid to ask questions that may feel a little uncomfortable, obviously in a respectful way, so that you can start building that trust with those suppliers. Be responsive to them just as you expect them to be responsive to you. And do your homework with your client as well as the destination before you reach out to them. So those three things can really set you up for success. I'm over here raising my hand. Yes, do your homework. Do your homework. One other thing that I might add, and I think I even mentioned it before, is just being really upfront with the supplier about your experience and just be really transparent. You know, so I try to let them know if I have visited that destination before or not. I let them know if I have planned trips to that destination or not. I try to give them as much information about the clients and the profile. But there's one other thing that I have started doing recently is that in wrapping up the full first email saying, here's all the details, I ask, are you interested to collaborate with me on this itinerary design? Does this feel like a good fit for you? Because I had a few on-site partners in my first couple of years that I almost wish they would have said, you know, I don't know that this trip design is a good fit. Mm-hmm. And it, usually it was related to budget. Mm-hmm. 
I have had proposals come back that are 20, 30, 40% higher than the budget that I shared with them. Mm. And that they agreed like, yes, we can work with this budget. But then they came back 40% higher. I'm asking that question in an attempt to give partners the opportunity to say, thank you for reaching out. I don't know if this is a good fit because of X, Y, and Z. Please come back to us next time. And I am saying this because I would actually respect the supplier partner more if they would tell me it's not a good fit up front than if they send proposals to me that are way over budget and that we can't bring down or that just isn't a good fit. I That once we're in, we're in. And it's really hard to backtrack Yeah. So I've started asking that question just in another sense of full transparency. Yeah. And I I do think, you know, these are challenging times right now for all of us in the industry, whether you're an advisor or you're on the supplier end. And the collaboration, the transparency, the willing to really help each other out and find your voice. Is this a fit? Do we, you know, does this make sense to all of those components to a successful partnership, a successful trip? I feel like in the future, is just going to get better and better because we're all going to come out on the other side of this pandemic feeling stronger, feeling more collaborative and wanting to show our clients and show travelers we can travel the world again and it's going to be just as amazing if not even better. And one final thing that I I realized recently in trying to put myself in the shoes of suppliers is not forgetting about them when the trip is over. So you know that when we send emails to our clients after they've come home and we're asking for their feedback, we're asking what they love about their trip. We're asking how everything went. And sometimes they don't respond. And we know that life gets busy and and we know exactly why they don't respond sometimes. But also, wouldn't you agree that sometimes it's like, oh man, I mean, I I think they had a great trip, but they never really got back to me about it. It took me a little while to realize that that's exactly how suppliers feel when clients get home. And maybe they do send us a raving email and they're like, oh my God, you're amazing. I will plan every single trip for the rest of my life with you. That destination was awesome. Our driver was so great. And then we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we walk away and pour a glass of wine because we did such a good job. We need to remember to forward on that feedback to our partners and say, you and I did this together. You were a fantastic partner in this trip. Thank you for everything. I look forward to our next opportunity to collaborate. That's such a good point and good advice, I think, for new advisors, actually, because you're right. Now that I think about it, when it's all good, I'm like, woohoo, you know, let's celebrate kind of stops there. When it's not so good, believe me, I'm on the computer. (laughs) We are responding. (laughs) And and just recently, like this summer into the fall, with trips being even more treasured, you know, and more carefully planned, I have to say I've put into practice more of the follow-up because our travel partners, our hotel partners are really going above and beyond to make our clients feel comfortable and safe right now when they travel. So when I follow up, they had a great trip. Thank you so much for the up grade, immediately I'm getting emails like, this is so helpful. So you're right. I need to be, you know, I need to be better about sharing those experiences with our suppliers um, when it's really good. And that's another way to really build that relationship. And I'm saying this out loud as a reminder to myself as well. I know that I should do this. I know that sometimes we get busy and it doesn't always happen. And I'm going to get off this recording and go send an email to a hotel right now because I know that I forgot to do it. So I'm also saying it out loud to hold myself accountable because it is really, really important. It's really a win-win all around, I would say. Agreed. Beth, thank you so much. I know that you and I just absolutely love on-sites and I was really excited to dive into this uh, with you because it really does comprise such a large majority of our businesses and it's it's who we work with most often. This was such a great discussion on the importance of our relationship with on-site partners and I hope mm-hmm. that there are things that other advisors can take away from and I hope that we'll continue learning and improving our relationships as well because as I said, I'm saying some things out loud to hold myself accountable. I am confident that both the planning experience for you as well as for the travel experience of your clients will continue to improve when we continue to to build more mutually beneficial relationships with supplier partners. So Beth, thank you again for your willingness and for your enthusiasm to be a part of the conversation. Thank you, Whitney. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you want more, head over to mastersintravelpod.com for show notes and links to the resources we discussed in today's episode. If you loved today's interview as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who is ready to level up their travel business. To continue the conversation, find us on Instagram at Masters in Travel, where we preview upcoming episodes and engage with our listeners to decide what topics to cover next. We'll see you next time.